0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a weekly travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Are you an avid RVer or someone who perhaps is looking to rent an RV this summer? And i got to say, I love being in the outdoors, but I'm not quite into the RV lifestyle yet. But I will admit some of those RVs are pretty luxurious. Well, there's a company that I'm going to call the Airbnb of the RV world. It's called Outdoorsy, and we're going to find out all about it from one of the co-founders of the company, Jen Smith. Now, the reason I call it the Airbnb of the RV world is that it brings together those looking to rent an RV with those who have an RV to rent and we'll get more details on how it all works from Jen later in the podcast. Now, one place you might want to take an RV whether you own it or rent it is Waterton Lakes National Park. It's located in southern Alberta along the US border. In fact, the park shares the border with Glacier National Park in Montana and it is absolutely gorgeous there. Now, if you remember back in September last year, it was hit by that devastating Keno wildfire, which threatened the town site. Well, the park is open for business now and getting ready for another busy season. So we'll get an update from Parks Canada on what's open and what's not open because of that fire. But to start off this week's podcast, there was a story that came out late last week about how RBC and WestJet are teaming for a new loyalty program called Amply. Now, there wasn't too many details released just yet, except to say that it will include merchant offers and rewards for members who spend with the bank and, of course fly with the airline. So when it comes to loyalty rewards and travel reward credit cards and such, my go-to guy is Patrick Soika. He's the founder of Rewards Canada, and he joins us now. Their website, by the way, is rewardscanada.ca. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Randy. Glad to be on your show again. Well, it's uh, anytime a story comes out with uh, loyalty programs and reward programs, uh, you're the guy we like to go to. There was a couple of stories. Uh, The first one we'll talk about Uh, is uh, WestJet their reward program is expanding to uh, Air France and KLM you can use uh, I'm I'm thinking you can use their rewards on Air France and KLM's uh, airlines Is, is that the gist of what's going on
1: that's correct. So earlier in the year, uh, actually end of August, you, the first part of the partnership came out where you could earn WestJet dollars for flying Air France, KLM, and vice versa. You could earn flying Blue Miles for flying on WestJet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, now they've both launched the, the redemption side of it. So now you can actually use your WestJet dollars on Air France, KLM flights. And the way they run it, they call it their member exclusive fares. So it's not like your, your general WestJet rewards program where it's dollar for dollar. They give you a set dollar amount, and you have to have that amount to redeem for it. So, for example, if you want to fly Air France or KLM from Canada to Europe, it's 349 West WestJet dollars. It starts at that amount. It can go higher depending on connections and, and other things. But in most cases, it'll be at $349 one way. Um, so great option. seeing that Air France, KLM fly to Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal. So it just opens up so many more options for WestJetters. And then you can always connect, too, from smaller cities, Regina, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, you name it. Connect to any of those big cities to connect to Air France flights. Um, Even on there, even though it's hard to find availability, I found a couple days you can jump on Air France's flight to Tahiti out of LAX. Um, so you fly WestJet to Los Angeles, and then Air France to Tahiti, and you can use your WestJet dollars there. Seven hundred twenty-nine dollars one way. Wow! And of course, you have eight, yeah. So you have Asia and Africa as well uh, that have been opened up. Now there's other options that Air uh, WestJet had with, with Delta, but this just opens up even more cities because Delta doesn't fly to too many cities in Africa. Air France, KLM, do so. there There's just so many more options and a lot more cities in Europe that you can connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, this addition. And then Qantas should be hopefully still coming before the end of the year. Truly make the WestJet Rewards Program a true frequent flyer program now because you can pretty much fly to anywhere in the world using WestJet dollars. So, so great news for for members of that program. And vice versa, you'll be able to use your Flying Blue Mile to fly WestJet within Canada, WestJet to the U.S., to Hawaii, you name it. Uh, when I At the time of recording, the redemption rates weren't on the Air France site yet. They are on the Flying Blue site. We're just waiting on confirmation what the amounts will be, but chances are going to be like twenty five thousand miles round trip within North America to fly on WestJet, so so competitive and similar to your other frequent flyer programs.
0: So you're giving this two thumbs up, are you? I am giving this two thumbs up. Absolutely good. great news. Good, good. Now the other story was J.D. Power ranking of, uh, and this is U.S. Airlines, so uh, you know take it for what it's worth. Loyalty programs, um, the one that uh, affects Western Canada, I think the most is probably Alaska was ranked right up there, and then there's Delta, American, United, and and those types of things. Uh, are, are we seeing more competition with um, uh, the loyalty programs with the airlines?
1: In some ways, yes. Uh, so these the scores that came out, they like said it is U.S.-based, but for, for Canadians, especially Western Canada, Alaska Airlines, mileage plan is a very popular program. Even those down east are using the program lots because you can redeem Mileage plan, miles for Emirates, Cathay, Pacific, Del- uh, Delta, American Airlines. They have a lot of partnerships. So that, that's what helps mileage plans score really high. And, and the redemption rates are crazy. They're, they're actually very achievable in that program. So I can see why it scores so high, and a lot of people rave about their customer service. Uh, Alaska Airlines is one of those airlines uh, that just seems to do a lot of things right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and it's the same with their mileage plan program. Um, the other US programs, the the big three, Sky Miles from Delta, American Airlines Advantage, United Airlines Miles Plus, all in the last couple of years have shifted to the revenue based earnings. So it's based on the dollars you spend with them rather than the distance you fly. Okay. So I could see why maybe the satisfaction's gone down because those people flying on the cheapest fares aren't earning as many miles mm. as they used to. Yeah. Um so that's definitely, you know, that 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 has to be taken into account. But they have all their partners, you know, Delta Sky Team, United, Star Alliance, American Airlines is Uh, One World. So you have all these different airlines that you can use their miles for. So that's kind of where the advantages come through for for programs like that is just just the different options for redeeming those points. Uh, For those of us in Canada, um, all three of those big airlines, it's relatively difficult to earn miles with them outside of actual travel like flights. Um, or hotel space, because none of them have credit cards in Canada anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. Alaska Air- Alaska Airlines does, so they make it a little easier to earn the miles here. Um, but outside of the credit card, again, it just comes down to actual traveling on their, their partners and, and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. again, yeah, I totally, I see where this loyalty survey is coming from. Um, does it affect the Canadians as much? Not as much, but you you have a decent amount of people who do, you know, use the Sky Miles program, use United Airlines Mileage Plus. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like Mileage Plus because it's an option for Air Canada because they're partners, so you can actually use Mileage Plus miles on Air Canada flights rather than Aeroplan. So some people went that route instead of Aeroplan. Um, but in general, I, I agree. You know, Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan, great program. Definitely a, a one of the top ones there.
0: Any recent news that you've mentioned Air Canada about their new one coming out to replace Aeroplan?
1: Uh, all we've heard is I believe they've issued an RFP for a credit card issuer, and that, that's the latest. Otherwise, everything has been quiet. Uh, no, no
0: news yet. Probably I'm
1: thinking uh, this time next year, this time 2018, we should have uh, more details.
0: Good stuff, Patrick Soyka, founder of uh, Rewards Canada, the website RewardsCanada.ca. Always a pleasure chatting, Patrick.
1: Great. Thanks, Randy.
0: Lots of folks own RVs, lots of folks want to rent RVs, so how do you bring the two together? Well, simple, you invent a company that does just that, and you call it Outdoorsy. And that's exactly what Jen Young did. She helped co-found Outdoorsy. The website is outdoorsy.com, and she joins us now. Hi, Jen.
2: Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me, Randy.
0: I'm well, thank you. I guess it's uh, becoming, well, we're already well, I think, into the camping season, but it'll really get going once the uh, schools are out and we get into the summer holidays. But tell me how Outdoorsy got started.
2: Well, Outdoorsy got started, um, interestingly, in in Canada, in North Vancouver, in fact. Um, My partner and I, Jeff, both of us were working big corporate jobs and, you know, just got to that point in our, our life and career and thought there's got to be something more than working under fluorescent lights in office buildings. And we both love outdoor travel. We love spending time outdoors. And we happen to be working um, in, in the industry. And that's when we fell upon the fact that there's 18 million RVs in North America that sit in driveways for most of the year unused. So you just do some simple math, 18 million RVs times the 350 days that most of them sit unused in driveways. And that's over a, a billion available rental days, which mm-hmm. is a whole market. So we thought, you know, we, we all know the likes of Uber and dog walking marketplaces like Rover and Airbnbs that, you know, marketplaces are a safe place to transact. And they offer a lot of value for the, the renter and the owner side. So we thought, you know what, we're going to start outdoorsy, and we're going to help owners who have an RV uh, make money renting it when they're not using it. And we're going to help all those fantastic, you know, couples and families and individual people who want to spend their time in parks and campgrounds and just get outside Uh, you know, make that easier for them to access affordable RVs to enjoy their time outside.
0: -hmm. Uh, Well, I can think of a couple of people in my neighborhood that their RV just sits there and sits there and maybe, like you say, for a week or so they use it. So yeah, there is a lot of RVs out there that aren't being used. So there's two ways, uh, two sides of this. There's the renter and there's the rentee. So let's start with the renter. How does it work? If I have an RV and I'm not using it as much as I should, uh, how do I get involved with outdoorsy?
2: So easy to do. So basically, if you own an RV, you just go to outdoorsy.com and on the top right of the website, there's a button called List Your RV. You click on that button and through four easy steps, we ask you some information about the year, make and model. We ask you about the amenities to describe what's inside. Uh, We ask for your VIN number. We qualify you for our insurance program, which is one of the things that makes Outdoorsy particularly special. We've negotiated with Aviva, the the largest uh, insurance provider in Canada, to cover $2 million liability and unlimited comp and collision insurance for all of our owners. So we qualify you for that insurance. You upload some pictures. You set your pricing rates. And you work through that flow, and then you publish your RV on Outdoorsy.com, which makes it available for the millions of people that come to the website who are looking to search and find and book an RV for their trip.
0: Nice. Sounds very simple. Uh, now, if I'm looking to rent an RV and I'm a rentee, how does that work?
2: And if you're a rentee, it's even more simple because it's it's fun to go shopping online, really. Um, you most Most renters come and they start by... Uh, you know, where, where's the destination that they want to pick up the RV? So you just entered the destination, some details around what you're looking for, so the number of people at sleep. There's a lot of other filter uh, options. Are, are the RVs pet-friendly? Um, do they come with uh, the accessories that you also want to have included in the RV? So, for example, a lot of the owners will throw in barbecue kits and the lawn chairs and fishing rods and paddle boards and lots of other equipment so you can search and find an RV that is the type that you want, which the number of people you want, and has all of the other recreational um, uh, goodies uh, packed in the RV for you. And you basically pick the one you want, message the owner directly. You'll go back and forth either through SMS or email on the platform, and you book the RV. And the next step is really just a meeting at that person's home Um some of our owners will actually drop off the RV for you at the campground you're going to. Uh, but it's really that simple. And then um transaction is made between the owner and the renter.
0: That was my next question. I, th- I was thinking, would it be better to go pick it up at someone's home and then drive it to the campsite? Or can I just pick it up right at the campsite? I think that would be uh, the best way because then I'm saving on setting up because <laughs> really, I'm basically, I'm a lazy camper, uh, Jen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, lazy or efficient, Randy. There's many ways to look at that.
0: <laughs>
2: um, but, but isn't that great, right? Like, that's, you know, it's just one of the benefits of, of marketplaces today, especially in the camping and the RVing community. People are so responsible and so helpful. Like, Canadians just love to, you know, make it easy and to, you know, do a good job. So that's why so many of the Canadians on the site that are renting their RV will, will offer uh, delivery and setup options. So they will, uh, they'll drop off the RV in any one of the campgrounds. They'll get the generator working for you. They'll, they'll hook it up and plug everything in. It's really just like a one-stop shop.
0: And then at the end of the uh, camping, they come and pick it up?
2: Yep, and they absolutely will come and pick it up. We've got so many owners that do that. And, in fact, owners often prefer that sometimes, too, because they're like, hey, look, you know, if you're not familiar with the rig, then let me do the pickup and the drop-off. Other owners on the other side of the spectrum – you know, know that setting up RVs is pretty simple and straightforward anyway. So they, you know, they, they don't mind if the the renter is doing all of that themselves. Um, the good thing about outdoorsy.com and the ways that we allow you to message back and forth between the owner and the renter is, if anything goes wrong, if there's any problems, um, it's just like an easy one-click uh, through the site to message the owner while you're on on the trip. Also. We do provide roadside assistance, which is um, which is also a fantastic option. So, if anything goes wrong, there's lots of technicians and people that are able to come and help you out. Mm-hmm. It's pretty safe and easy to use.
0: So, how long have you been doing? I imagine a lot of the legwork has been done as far as you know setting up the business model. Because, as you mentioned, there's Airbnb and Lyft and Uber. So, those companies, I imagine, they've done. Uh, you can just sort of model it after that, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean. Definitely marketplaces, as you said, Uber and Lyft are are very good examples in Airbnb. They set the stage for how do we process payments online? How do we make sure that ratings and reviews in the marketplace are verified? How do we make sure that those layers um, of the the marketplace exist? But what Outdoorsy um, did and, and really spent the majority of the first year of our business is working through the complexities of Uh, or specific to, sorry, RVs, motorhomes, trailers, camper vans. So what we did was we went to RV insurance companies. We custom negotiated insurance programs. So if anything does happen, if you do have to file a claim, it comes right through our service um, desk. We also focus on hiring customer service agents that are bilingual and that have a lot of deep RV and or motorhome and or trailer knowledge. So, you know, that's the difference, I'd say, between marketplaces. A lot of the tech for payments and processing and communication are there. But if you really want a special experience and and know that you're talking to people who really understand camping, hookup, RVing, the, the vehicles themselves across all the different types. you got to go to experts, and that's what Outdoorsy is for uh, for owners and for renters. We're mm-hmm. experts in RVing.
0: So give me some tips what to look for as a renter and maybe, uh, or sorry, as a rentee, and then if I'm listing what, you know, what kind of pictures work best and that kind of thing.
2: Well, you, you just hit the nail on the head for the, like, the most important tip. I mean, I, it probably doesn't come as any surprise, but you'd be amazed at how Many more search results or how many more uh, booking requests you'll get if you've got a great picture. And the most important um, element in the picture is people. So if you're an owner and you're listing your RV on Outdoorsy, what you want to do is make sure that you're getting pictures from when you used the RV themselves and at its finest moment. So take pictures of your vehicle when it was set up. The awning is out. The outdoor carpet is out. The lights are on inside. Everybody is, you know, that beautiful hour when you're sitting around the campfire and having a glass of wine. Take a picture of that. Make that your your hero shot on your listing, and guaranteed you'll be getting booking requests. And then on the renter side, the most important element to do is, you know, common sense, really. Just, you know, be polite and introduce yourself in an in a, in a authentic way. So when you're messaging the owner, just say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I love your rig, and this is the reason why I want to rent it, you make a good first impression, and you're likely to get that booking right away.
0: Awesome. Well, I, as a as someone who's a lazy camper, this sounds like it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, the company is called Outdoorsy. The website is outdoorsy.com, and Jen Young is a co-founder of Outdoorsy. Uh, thanks for your insight, Jen. It was a pleasure chatting.
2: Thank you so much, and from you, too.
0: On August 30th of last year, after an intense lightning and thunderstorm, Parks Canada Fire Management staff in Waterton Lakes National Park detected a wildfire about 10 kilometers from the park boundary in BC. Now, exceptionally hot weather, strong winds and extreme dry conditions fueled what was then to become the Keno Wildfire. A week later, an evacuation alert was issued, and on September 8th, with the hot, dry weather and high winds continuing, an evacuation order was issued. In the days that followed, the Keno wildfire firmly established itself in Waterton Lakes National Park. In the end, the wildfire burned 38,000 hectares, including 19,000 hectares in the park itself. The wildfire had a significant impact on the infrastructure in the park, so... Here we are, getting set for another summer season in the park, and I thought it would be a good idea to get an update on where the park is at. So we're joined now by Locke Marshall. He is the Visitor Experience Manager for Waterton Lakes National Park. The Parks Canada website, by the way, is www.pc.gc.ca. Thanks for joining us, Locke. Hi there. Well, uh, let's go back to last year. Last year was such a big year for Parks Canada because they had the 150, uh, Canada 150, and free visitor passes. Uh, but also uh, for Waterton, it wasn't such a great thing towards the end of the year because of that uh, Keno uh, wildfire. So uh, let's uh, start this way. Uh, do you expect the visitation to be up, about the same? I know it was such a big year last year. And then we'll talk about the fire.
3: Uh, well, uh, the visitation actually has been trending upward for quite a number of years. Uh, last year, we had our biggest year ever, of course, because of the celebratory year. But uh, we had around 578,000 people visit the park last year, and uh, and so yeah, we 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 do expect there's still to be a lot of uh, interest in visiting Waters Lakes National Park. However, um, the Keno wildfire, as you, as you pointed out earlier, it, it did affect the the park to to quite a degree. In uh, 2017, in September, we uh, we actually had to close the park for a while while the wildfire was actually inside the park, and then we reopened. Uh, this year, uh, there will be some impact by that. There are some areas of the park that are, are closed, uh, still lots of areas that are open, so we're expecting a, a fairly uh, busy year, uh, and uh, we're hoping that people will kind of check with us uh, and think about maybe the best times to visit when they do decide to come.
0: Mm -hmm. And a a good way to do that is on the website, the Parks Canada website, pc.gc.ca, and then you just click through to find Waterton Lakes National Park. Um, Now, getting back to the fire, would would people know a huge difference uh, if they went to the park today versus last year? Uh, Certainly, yes, they would. Uh, I mean, there
3: are still areas of the park that are very visible just from the main roadways that have uh, obviously been burned. So it's it's kind of, you know, it it is quite striking. However, it's very interesting as well in that it's amazing how green things are under the burnt trees uh, in in a lot of places, so uh, yes, they will notice a difference, and uh, as they look up on the slopes, they'll see uh, you know uh, standing burnt trees up on the slopes of the mountains as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And does it affect anything like the uh, hiking trails, the camping sites, and those things too? Uh,
3: yes, it does. Um, there are certain areas of the park that uh, that are closed uh because of the fire so i again you know your suggestion about checking the website is a good one uh as as we're able to open different areas uh, we'll let people know on the website right now of course the main entrance uh, part uh roadway is open uh, you can get to the town site, to the village, and uh, you know the shops and, and restaurants and things like that. Uh, also, the lake is, is open for paddling, and the boat tours are running. Uh, the, the stables are still offering uh, rides, uh, so those things are open. Chief Mountain Highway that uh, leads between us and Glacier National Park in the United States is open. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are several, lots of things that are open, but there are also things that are closed. So, again, if they're thinking of something in particular, it's best for them to check ahead to make mm-hmm. sure that that's available to them.
0: How big is the park in relation to some of the others, say, uh, Banff or Yoho or Kootenai that uh, people are familiar with?
3: It's it's quite a bit smaller than than some of the other uh, mountain parks. Definitely, it's only uh, 505 square kilometers, so it's not exactly you know you know a huge park. The the interesting thing about that though is that because we're in such close proximity to other protected areas like the uh, Akamina Kichenina Provincial Park to the west of us in British Columbia, uh, Glacier National Park to the south of us in uh, in the United States. Uh, and also to the north of us, the uh, the newly created uh, Castle uh, Wilderness Area and Castle Provincial Park. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of still a, a pretty big area, a, a protected area, and a place for recreation.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you getting into your busy time of year, or is it wait till school is out and then it really sort of? <laughs> kind of hits the fan, kind of thing. <laughs> uh,
3: yes to both of those questions. It, it, <laughs> it is. It is still quite busy, even this early in the season, especially on weekends. Uh, but uh, certainly, as soon as uh, June, you know, middle of June, end of June arrive, uh, a lot of our visitation is from the United States, so uh, their schools get out a little sooner. So yeah, middle of June uh, through. Uh, definitely through, you know, early part of September is the busiest time, but we're fairly busy even into, uh, as far as, uh, Thanksgiving.
0: Mm. So people are planning a trip and maybe have never been to Waterton Lakes National Park. And one of the great things about it, I think anyways, you're right on the U.S. border. So you kind of get the, the best of both worlds. You can cross the border in uh, by boat and in other fun ways. So give me some tips on uh, just planning a trip there. Uh, certainly if
3: they' if folks are planning on crossing the border, they should make sure they have the proper documentation for, you know uh, passports and that type of thing because uh, that's required uh when you're actually crossing the border and and going beyond uh, the boat cruise is a little different situation. you can cross the border and as long as you're not going beyond the uh, the ranger station at the south end of the lake, then uh, you're not, uh, it's not necessarily actually across customs, you know, past customs, but it's still best to take your identification with you. Uh, So, yeah, but it's a very unique uh, experience. Uh, Waterton Lakes National Park and Glacier National Park in the United States were joined back in 1932 by acts of Congress and Parliament uh, to be the world's first international peace park. So we actually do work very closely with the U.S. National Park Service.
0: Uh, now, you mentioned the uh, boat cruise. That's one of the activities you can do there. I think is really cool. Uh, um, tell me about some of the other other popular things that people uh, might want to plan to do. Uh,
3: certainly another, other water-related activities, uh, lots of paddlers and that type of thing. Again, just a bit of a warning. The water is cold, and uh, we <laughs> do get some windy weather, so uh, be, they need to be uh, cognizant of that when they're going out on the lakes. Um, But uh, certainly hiking has always been a a very popular thing here. Uh, Kind of a wide variety of of different types of hikes are typically available in Waterton. Uh, Right now, again, I I, certainly encourage people to check ahead uh, as things uh, open after we've uh, checked them and made assessments to make sure that they're safe enough for
0: people to travel. So, t- talk me about the process about booking a campsite too. And you just go to the park website in general, and then find your spots uh, related to Waterton Lakes. And how how far in advance should be pe- pe- should people be uh, booking if they're wanting to camp around there?
3: Well, um, to tell you the truth, uh, the booking starts in January, and we we have uh, most of the weekends, or and especially the long weekends, are filled up within the first few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, however. Uh, that shouldn't discourage people uh, terribly because if they keep checking back with the website, there are cancellations. And there are certainly times during midweek and, and uh, nearer the end of our busiest season in August and September where there are, are sites available. So if they check, that's the best way to do it. That's for our Townsite Campground. We have another small campground that's located along the Chief Mountain Highway that leads toward the United States. And it uh, held us only 24 sites, but it's first come, first served. Uh, the Crandall Mountain campground, unfortunately, was affected quite drastically by the wildfire, and it won't be opening for at least a couple of years and, and maybe even a little longer than that as we clean it up and uh, get it ready for uh, for folks to come back and, and camp there. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. And there's also uh, other accommodations, obviously, in the town site and around in the park, and, and if you just want to make a day trip of it, it's, uh, it's kind of a nice uh, trip too, isn't it?
3: Correct, yes. There's a lot of people just use... In fact... Of course, the majority of people who visit on a busy day are are uh, coming as as day users. They come from you know the Lethbridge area, Calgary, um, and, and be you know and beyond that, all all over southern Alberta. Uh, usually, people coming a little farther than that, they do tend to uh, to use some of the accommodation. There are hotels in town, and of course, the campground.
0: Mm-hmm. Any special events you have coming up for the summer?
3: Uh, certainly, yeah, we we're. Pretty much having uh, many of the same special events. that we have every summer. certainly our, our Canada Day event is one of the bigger ones. Uh, the Blackfoot uh, Festival that's, that takes place uh, end of July this year is is one that uh, happens every year, and it's it's something worth uh, worth having a look at if if you, if you'd like to come during that time. Uh, and but there are other events all the, throughout. And it's certainly a, we have a wide range of interpretive events, uh, guided walks, um, evening programs, in theaters street theater that type of thing that help people learn about the park in fun ways so mm-hmm. that's uh that's quite popular too
0: well Locke marshall is the visitor experience manager for waterton lakes national park again the uh, parks canada website is pc.gc.ca so here's to another uh good year as far as visitation and no fires this year let's hope <laughs> thank you very much that's our podcast for this week thanks for listening to the informed traveler podcast if you like what you hear take a minute and rate the show leave us a review and tell a friend about the podcast and if you want to contact me drop me a line at randy at the informed